Today we're going to be reading and reflecting on scripture from John chapter 13 verses 12 through 15. After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example, just as I have done, you also must do. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. Our hearts and minds are open. Ask you this morning, who is your favorite uh, movie couple? Uh, I have uh, two favorite movie couples, and they're played both by the same actor and actress, uh, Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And the first one would be, uh, and I can't decide which one I like best, you know, Fifty First Dates, uh, if you've seen that movie, and then Blended. And I don't know what it is about Sandler and Barrymore that just works and connects. You know, there was a recent article in Cosmopolitan by Pauline Jane Isaac that lists the 36 greatest love stories of all time that were seen on the big screen. Uh, She says this, the most famous movie couples have the ability to turn cynics into believers, critics into fans, and can even warm the iciest of hearts. Whether it's a romantic comedy or a drama, the outcome is the same. Love stories make you believe in love. But the title, The Greatest Love Stories, I think reveals a problem. I think that the movies and our culture give us a false idea about what love really is. Now, Isaac, in her article, she used three criteria to come up with these 36 greatest love stories. The couples had to be aspirational. The chemistry had to be unmistakable. And most importantly, the love had to be fierce, had to be intense. Perhaps our own view of what love is has been shaped in unrealistic ways because of our culture. Because an authentic, genuine love story is not built on glamour or inspiration, or chemistry, or the thrill of intensity. What does true love really look like? What is it like to put our feelings into action? How do we express love in ways that goes beyond just how we feel? Uh, Our sermon series that we're in is called Holy Habits, where we're learning uh, how to create routines in our life that will help shape our identity and who God knows that we can be. And we're looking at these in terms of how we, we worship, serve, 
and grow. The past two weeks we've looked at worship and now we turn to serve. You know, people who show the love of Jesus let the practice of serving others be at the heart of their habits. This story, or this part of a story that Julie read from John's gospel is set around the Passover meal. This is the meal that the Jewish uh, community would use to remember and celebrate being delivered from slavery. Now, the other three gospels, those are called the synoptics, the other three, uh, they centered this meal around the supper, the Lord's Supper of bread and wine. Here in John, though, the centerpiece becomes the washing of the feet. And Jesus also begins to give final instructions to his disciples. Now, our culture, uh, we find this foot washing story kind of strange and weird. But the community that John was talking to would not have found that weird at all. What they would have found weird in this story is how it happened. John's portrayal is not typical. It has several factors that are not the norm. Uh, For example, the person of lower status would have been the one washing the feet rather than the person of highest status. Jesus turns things upside down. The foot washing typically would have happened as guests arrive for the meal. Yet Jesus does this during the meal. And you know, it kind of made me think this week. I thought, what happened to make Jesus do it during the meal? Perhaps Jesus was sitting there and says, no one here thinks that they are low enough to wash each other's feet. (laughs) Maybe I'll show them that we all do that for each other. That's just me thinking, I I don't know. You know, and foot washing would be a kind of a low-key experience, you know? Whoever's washing the feet probably wouldn't have spoken a whole lot. They would have just washed the feet and they would have gotten on into the meal. Yet Jesus begins to have these conversations with the disciples. Uh, Earlier in in this story, in the same chapter, Peter, in in good Peter fashion, I love Peter. Peter is just a mess. And and he refuses to let Jesus wash his feet because of this radical departure from the norm. Uh, Listen to what Peter said. He said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. In Peter's view, this was an act unworthy. 
that he was not worthy to have his feet washed by Jesus. But in good Peter fashion, he doesn't just let Jesus wash his feet. He goes completely and turns all the way around and jumps all in. And in John 13, 9, he says, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands, but also my hands and my head. Jesus performs this humble act with his disciples because he's totally secure with who he is and what he's all about. Jesus doesn't wash their feet to be one of the guys. He washes their feet because he's their teacher and their Lord. In verse 15, it says, Just as I have done, you must also do. Disciples who embody the way of Jesus let the practice of serving others be at the heart of their habits. Jesus is not calling us. Jesus is telling us to serve others. You know, one of the challenges that we face in building a habit of serving others is how we think about love. You know, like I said at the beginning, we think about love in in the emotional context. And this is a misunderstanding about what love is really about. Some form of love, love are absolutely emotional. But the love Jesus is talking about here in the Gospels is much deeper than that. Jesus' view of love is about being selfless and serving other people. This means we actively seek to put others' needs ahead of our own. You know, love is not just about saying kind words and having warm thoughts for other people. It's about putting those words and thoughts into action. You know, I've been using uh, the book uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear to help us learn a little bit about how habits work in our life and, and, and how we can uh, create new habits, new holy habits that, that we can sustain and follow. And Clear says that the cardinal rule of behavior change is what is rewarded is repeated and what is punished is avoided. That's breaking news, right? (laughs) I mean, just ask any elementary school teacher and they will tell you that this works a lot of the time. Uh, They hand out stickers for giving homework and they have a conduct system. When our 24-year-old Drew was in elementary school, uh, we sent him to school after he was kind of at the tail end of a nasty cold. Now, this was before COVID, 
when it was acceptable to pump your kids with meds and send them on their way. Uh, So Advil and cough syrup we gave him and sent him to school. Well, about 9.30 in the morning, Tracy gets a call from his teacher asking if anything was going on at home because it was early in the morning and Drew was already on red. And you've guessed it, the pastor's family sent their kid to school drunk. (laughs) You know, at the beginning of the school year, his teacher told all the parents about this conduct system she had. Green is for a good day, yellow is having a little bit of trouble, and red means you're going to get a call home. If you stay on green all week long, you get a prize. Now, then she began to tell us that this system was for her, not for us. Uh, The year before, uh, a little girl at the last week of school got put on yellow, and she went hysterical. And they had to call the nurse, the administration. They couldn't figure out this is not a big deal. It happens every day to kids to be put on yellow. Well, it turns out her mom told her that if she stayed on green all year, she'd take her to Disney World. <laughs> that summer. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just think it's a great story <laughs> with, with this. You know, to give up something for yourself in order to serve someone else can feel like punishment. You know, Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet. But yet, by allowing Jesus to serve him, he was able to participate fully in what God was wanting to do. One of the laws that James Clear says about building habits is to make the habit satisfying. If we're going to build a habit of serving others, we need to find ways to make it satisfying. And, And the best way I know to do that is to figure out what you're passionate about. Find your passion. You know, when you find places to serve within the area in which you find joy, it can be extremely rewarding. Using your strengths and activities, especially in the context of serving others, is linked to happiness. It can improve your ability to manage stress. It reduces illness. It enhances your life, and studies have even found that serving within your passions even lengthens your lifespan. Now, connecting your strengths with how you serve, it it doesn't happen accidentally. It takes us being intentional. I want to challenge you this week to spend some time thinking about the areas in your life where you Find joy. Or or maybe to say it different, maybe finding places that really touch your heart and begin to look and see how you can serve in those areas. Sometimes you just discover your passions by doing different things. If you're not sure what you're passionate about, find a variety of different ways to serve 
your community. There are many, many tools out there online to help us figure this kind of stuff out. And I'm sure you've, you've heard of a bunch of them. You can take spiritual gifts tests. You can take uh, assessments to figure out what you're gifted at. You can take tests to see what your personality is like. The, the one that I think is great and I recommend is by Gallup, and it's called Strengths Finder. All you got to do is put in your search engine, Gallup Strengths Finder, it'll pop right up. It can help give you an idea of ways in which you can serve within your passion. Now, I do want to caution you, don't overthink it, because this is one of my problems. I can suffer from analysis paralysis, <laughs> where I'll spend all my time trying to just figure it out. You know, if we're going to have a habit of serving others, we also need to build relationships. Too often, when we serve other people, we take on this attitude that, that we know better, that, that we know how to fix the problem. And when we think of serving in terms of a project instead of a relationship, that's one of the reasons why we fail. And it's one of the reasons why we're uncomfortable when people try to help us. Because we don't want to be viewed as a project. Serving others is more than just meeting physical needs. It's about caring for them as people. I had a really good friend who uh, spoke at his uncle's memorial service, and, and my friend Matt said that his uncle John was always doing things to help other people. And one year when Matt was in high school, he spent the summer working at Uncle John's law firm. And one day, John said, hey, Matt, we're going to go and take a little trip. And they went down and they picked up a man from the homeless shelter downtown that, that John had been talking to. And they took him back to the firm. And uh, John had him fix a toilet. And then they got back in the truck and he took him back to the homeless shelter. And Matt said that was the smelliest ride he had ever been on. And he said, Uncle John, why did you do that? I could have fixed that toilet. And John told him, this wasn't about getting a toilet fixed. This was about reminding someone that they're a plumber. There's no way that John would have known that this guy was a plumber without building a relationship. As you begin to build this habit of serving others, it's important to be yourself. It's important to be authentic. No one wants to be around phony people. We can do this by having empathy and compassion and, and, and trying to to walk in someone else's shoes, when we begin to understand more about what someone is going through, we're able to help them in greater ways. I reached out to one of our church members this week who regularly works at 
the Asbury Food Pantry. And one of the things that I think we have to do is do things on a regular basis. That's why it's a holy habit. Because if we serve once or twice, there's no way we're going to get to know someone relationally. And I reached out uh, to Melissa Franklin to ask her about some of the relationships they've formed through the years of working in the Asbury Pantry. And she, she said this, she said, honestly, the relationships mean something to people, mostly in small ways. Knowing people's names when they walk in the door, remembering details about their lives to ask them about so they feel seen, stopping to listen. Those are the things that make people feel loved and valued and mean the most to me as a volunteer. And then she went on to tell me a story uh, about a, a lady who had been to the pantry a long time ago and had come back. About 10 years ago, Asbury was able to help her get some food and also help her take care of some of her medical needs. And, and when she came back after this 10-year break, the lady was moved to tears because they remembered her name. People who embody the way of Jesus, let the practice of serving others be at the heart of their habits. You know, this command that Jesus gave on that day of there with his disciples, it wasn't new. Jesus' teaching on love, which is at the heart of everything he talks about, it's not new. It's built on the teachings of Moses. You know, Matthew's gospel, if you remember, a lawyer asking what's the greatest commandment, and he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second's like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. This command to love neighbor was not new. It wasn't new then, and it's not new now. It's one of the oldest teachings and all of our scriptures. So what is new? Well, in verse 15, Jesus says, just as I have done, you must also do. Jesus is saying, just as you have been loved by me, loved by God. You are to love and to be loved. You're to give and receive. You're to do good and to be treated with goodness. You're to show mercy and you're to receive mercy. In other words, love isn't about you. It's about us. It's not about me. It's about we. And that makes all the difference in the world. Let's pray. God, we're just grateful for your love, your care, the way you have taught us, help us to build in our lives, in our routines, a spirit that will serve others. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.